Today's episode is going to be with Brent Bowers. He is thelandsharks.com, and everybody wants to generate this passive income, but he has accomplished that through vacant land. And if you wait till the end of the episode, you're even going to learn some of those items that he wished he would have known when he first got into real estate investing. So make sure you stick around and listen to the end. You are listening to the REI Mastermind Podcast. Join JD as he chats with industry-leading real estate experts and professionals. We learn from their experience and uncover the strategies to their success that we can implement into our own businesses and we can drive immediate results today. They share their experience and wisdom as we build the foundation to our own success. This is the REI Mastermind Network. Well, we have Brent Bowers with us here today. Brent, I really appreciate your time. And this is, like I mentioned to you before we started the show, a long overdue revisit of this topic because I, I always find this one especially interesting because Brent specializes in helping people generate passive income through vacant land. Um, and I, I think we're going to have a great conversation today. I really appreciate it. But before we do, as I warned you, I want to make sure everybody has your contact information right up front. So besides your website, which is thelandsharks.com, that's with an S, thelandsharks.com, uh, where else would they maybe reach out to you if they have any questions after the show? Well, thanks, JD, for having me on the REI Mastermind Network. So to answer your question, you know, you could find me on Instagram and Facebook, Brent L. Bowers, that's uh, L as in Lima, uh, Brent L. Bowers. And I'm pretty responsive to messages as, as much as I can be. So hit me up. I'd love to answer any questions I can. So before we started this recording, uh, you were talking about listening to a podcast of our own where we were talking about mobile homes and where can somebody really get started in real estate investing. And you joked that I, I, at one point I might have mentioned in that episode that uh, where can you get started in real estate investing for like less than five grand, but you claim you can beat that. Yeah, no, that was a great episode. Episode 192. I, I've always been interested in mobile home parks and buying mobile homes, never pulled the trigger on it. And he had, I forget the guy's name. I apologize. Um, I should have wrote it down. But he had said, yeah, where else can you get started in real estate for $5,000? And I was like, here, right here. Because <laughs> my first land purchase was $285. And oh, by the way, I had a buyer lined up to pay me $5,000 the next day I bought it. So um, yeah, you could do it with land. It's unbelievable. So let's, let's start at the beginning. How did you get into this niche? Man, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so I was in the military and for eight and a half years that I served in the military, I was maybe only home about four years. So I was looking for, looking for something better, you know, trying to get rid of the W2 job. I was, I was just working so much in the military. So I was trying to get my wholesaling, my house wholesaling business off the ground and I hired a coach. So I was, I was trying to wholesale houses really. Mm -hmm. And I was like listening to all these podcasts and I was just information overload. Like I would not drive a mile down the road without listening to a podcast. And I heard from this guy that was buying land at super cheap, massive discount and turning around and selling this land. So I was like, man, I'm throwing away all my vacant land mailers, like my, my list that has vacant land on it. So I was like, I'm just going to mail these guys too. 
So I mailed them and my phone exploded. This was back in 2016. I half-hazardly bought some land and sold it and made some quick bucks and I haven't looked back since. Sure. So, so the land that you're acquiring, is it like within city limits? Are you looking at the outskirts of growth? What, what, how are you deciding what land to target and, and uh, what to acquire? Great question. Yeah, there's, I'd like to say there's three major types of land, you know, recreational in the middle of nowhere uh, that you can build a cabin on or ride four wheelers. And then there's the infill lots that everyone's familiar with. Our houses are built on those, you know, buildable lots. And then you've got, uh, of like, oh, agriculture land where, where guys are farming it and ranching it. And then the fourth, industrial. My bread and butter is land in the middle of nowhere that I can buy super cheap, that uh, the sellers want to get rid of, give me a massive discount. And then I turn around and offer the financing to people that want to buy land and have a couple hundred dollars a month. And we sell it at a premium. Um, so that's my bread and butter. I will do infill lots, you know, buildable lots. Those are quick, fast cash as well. We'll sometimes finance those. Everyone that I sell, I try and look for the financing so I can continuously get paid for the next five or six years on it. Sure. So so this land that you're acquiring and identifying, you you mentioned at first you threw away that part of your list. Yeah. Like, um, so are you uh, getting this like through a list source and is it is it something that's easily identified? Yeah, and, and you can identify them, um, especially in list source, because you can actually pick the vacant land. I do now buy through uh, PropStream, and uh, mm-hmm. you know they give a seven-day free trial um, with that, and I could share a link. But uh, I first was starting, and I still do it now, even when I go to a new county or a new new area, I get the tax delinquent list. And I also get another list that not too many people hear about or know about, and that's the county held tax lien list. This is land that's, or properties that are, you know, they suck so bad that a tax lien investor won't even pay the taxes on it. So I mail those guys too. So I was getting the tax delinquent and the county held tax lien list, and I was just throwing away the vacant land. Um, but when I started mailing those, that's that's what I was saying that my phone blew up. Uh, but now, yes, I do pull lists as well because those lists are pretty small and you 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 burn through them pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So do you do you try to engage them in some sort of conversation or is it all just paper being exchanged? You know, communications or are you sending out blind offers? How does how does that process look? We do a couple different ways. We start with a blind offer and basically that I call it my LOL, my land offer letter. Because every time I get one back signed, I laugh out loud. I mean, I'm just like, holy cow, we just got this land at 30 cents on the dollar. Um, and if they don't answer that, well, let me back up a second. So we, we generally want them to sign it and return it. We're not trying to do a lot of talking on the phone. We do put our phone number and maybe 20% of the time we get a phone call. Are you serious? go pound sand or yeah. is this a scam or do you really want this land type thing? Those are like a, the four phone calls received. And we also give them the ability to fax it, email it and mail it back to us. Um, those are the ones I love because there's not much communication. Well, after we've exhausted that, after they haven't answered that, we will then send a special postcard. And that also gets people to answer and call. That gets a lot of calls. Now, granted, I like doing the work on the front end, you know, 
presenting that offer of what we can pay because that gets a conversation started. And if they don't answer that, we send out a postcard, which is a neutral offer. Mm-hmm. So do you do you focus on just part like in your backyard then, or is this like kind of, throughout the United States? How do you how do you select that? I'm in seven counties now, but I did start in my own backyard and I don't do as much in my own backyard anymore. Um, we still, we do still send out offer letters for buildable lots, but I'm in Colorado Springs and the area is just exploding with growth. So it's really, really hard to get a parcel of land under, you know, 60, 70, 80 cents of a dollar. I'm not saying impossible. It is still possible. You just have to send out more offers and more postcards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have branched out. I'm in Colorado, Arizona, Nevada, um, forgetting where else, um, New Mexico. And, you know, I try and focus on other areas, which is really cool is we don't have to look at this land. We've got so many resources. And you know who do, does my due diligence on land? She's in the Philippines. So she's definitely not looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, you don't have to be in your own backyard because, you know, we're not limited by geography at all. Sure. So you talked about due diligence there. You have somebody in the Philippines doing that for you, but what type of due diligence do you, do you have? You're sending out these offers. Yeah. And uh, she, what she makes sure that it's not a big piece of swamp or something. (laughs) And we will buy a swamp. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I have about 15 items that we check and it's so funny, you know, these 15 items, are a culmination of all my mistakes in the beginning. Um, we also run title, uh, which is another guy that helps us out with that. Um, but we want to make sure the land's buildable. And if it's not, that's okay. We'll still buy it, but we want to know, you know, is there access to this land? Um, I once bought a piece of land and I knew it at the time we had to trespass against state land. Um, that was a really cool purchase. That was a $500 piece of land. And we sold it for, I think 5,500 on financing. And I would buy that. I would buy that land back from that guy today for more than he paid paid me because I sold it way too cheap. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, you know, and he got an attorney to get him access, so the land's worth hundred thousand dollars now. Um, you know, are you allowed to have a septic tank, or do you have to connect to city water? Are you allowed to drill a well, or do you need a cistern? You know, little things like that. We want to know the answers to these questions because one, we want to be able to tell our buyer. And two, if if it is a junkyard or a swamp, which by the way, I bought a junkyard one time because we didn't know to check Google Earth. You know, <laughs> we found out we had a junkyard. We sold it, but that's okay. And all these things, we don't care. We just use them for renegotiation or actual negotiations. Um, you know, things right. like that. That's kind of part of my due diligence, some of those items. Sure. So, you know, it, it for for the uh, wholesaling and the housing houses. You know, it's easy for us to uh, to determine the value because of the com- comparables that yeah. have sold, and anybody can do that on Zillow or what have you. Is is that similar for for land? Yeah, it's a little different with land, and I do not ever want to be the expert. And I teach my students, you know, you don't have to be the expert. Let's rely on the experts. You know, and who are the experts? Those are realtors. You know, most realtors do not deal in land. But there's ways to find realtors that do. One way you can call a realtor and say, hey, uh, do you know anything about this piece of land? If not, do you, do you have someone you can refer me to? So realtors are usually the, the experts 
in comping things. So it's not like, okay, it's a three bedroom, two bath with a one car garage on this side of the street. No, we look at like square footage. Is it, is it buildable land? Is it infill lot? And, or is it acreage? You know, we try and figure like items. So we stay in the one to five, you know, five to 10 acres. Cause once you start getting higher acreage, it goes for less money per acreage. So I try and rely on the experts, realtors, Zillow.com, what's what the area sold for, what's actually listed. And we deal in averages. We deal in averages. And what do I mean by that? I look at Zillow. I look what the realtors say. I look what all the land websites say, you know, like Landwatch, Land and Farm, Landflip.com. And we take an average of all three of those. I mean, it's not super analytical. We, we try and do it in under 10 or 15 minutes. Um, you know, the longest is talking to the realtor. Um, and we go on the average. And we're literally sending an offer at 30 cents on the dollar of what we think that property's worth. So we think that property's worth 10 grand. We're going to send an offer for 3000. So there's room for error. There's, there's a margin for error in there. Mm -hmm. We're just getting as cheap as possible. (laughs) Sure. So, you know, how much of this due diligence or this information collecting do you do before you send out the offer and what you do after. So we don't do any due diligence or title search or even check for liens before someone actually raises their hand and says, yes, I'd like to sell my land. Now, mm-hmm. granted, there is one thing we do is we figure out what we think it's worth, the average of what we think it's worth. And that's how we come up with our offer. That's the only due diligence we're doing. And we're trying to do it in like a subdivision, you know, a micro type thing. You know, we try and take the county and compress it, compress it, compress it. That's really all we're doing. We're keeping it very limited because I know I have friends trying to get in and wholesaling houses and they sit for weeks doing due diligence on properties and they haven't bought anything. You know, mm. let's, let's blast out 5,000 mailers, get someone to raise their hand and then like, let's then skin the cat type thing. Right. So before we go any further, I want to point everybody to your website and your contact information again. So if you would like more information, make sure you head over to thelandsharks.com and uh, schedule a call. I think uh, if you're interested in in land investing, I mean, this is definitely a way to go. And and as I've said a million times, you can either, either spend the 10,000 hours and become an expert or look to somebody and learn from somebody who's already made that investment. So definitely uh, reach out here. So with that being said, you brought up the information uh, regarding, you know, the due diligence and the mailings and and how all of that works. I, I really wanted to drive something home there because like you just said, when people are doing wholesaling on houses and stuff and they, they, they seem to spend a lot of time putting all of their eggs in in a few baskets where they'll handwrite and send out a handful of offers in a month or a year. I mean, it's talk to how, how much is your response rate? How many pieces of mail are you going to have to send out in order to get the response that you're looking for? So let's just focus only on our blind offers, not on postcards, because that's a little different response rate. And I love that you asked that because I'm really big on tracking data 
and not focusing on drama and emotions. I mean, four years ago, I stopped mailing because I was like, oh my gosh, mail doesn't work anymore. So we need to do cold call. We need to do bandit Mm -hmm. signs. We need to do internet. Well, guess what? It was during November, the election time, and no one was answering mail. And I just spent a ton of money on mail. So I was like, oh, that's it. But I didn't look at the past 12 months. So I love that you asked like response rate. We, I like to track three things, actually four things. Um, three things are in our key performance indicators or KPIs. Um, you could probably hear that thrown around. KPIs, key performance indicators. Break it down very, very simple. I like to track how many I send, how many letters I send, mm-hmm. how much I spend to send those letters. You know, if I spend $10, I sent 10 letters, you know, just a, a quick example. And then how many converted contracts. So how much I spend, how much I send, how many we converted. So on average, I'm sitting at just a little less than a half percent. So if I send out 100, well, let me back up. If I send out 200 offer letters, 200 LOLs, I get one accepted offer. Mm -hmm. Now it's flexed a little bit with the holidays and elections and COVID. It's actually went down a little lower because there's been such a great demand on vacant rural land lately, which is wild. Um, It's also helped me with my inventories. (laughs) It's allowed us to sell it for way more too. Um, So I'm sitting at about one accepted offer for every 200 offers I send. I generally try and send a a minimum of 300 a week. And the reason why I can get away with sending 300 a week is now people, people really find out when you're the only person in your area buying land. Like you're the guy, you're the land guy, the land man Mm -hmm. uh, is what I've been called. Um, realtors will send people our way. People call off of our signs when we're trying to sell land. And it's just, it's so funny. It's just like, we've built it and now they're coming type thing. Kevin Costner uh, movie, Filled the Dreams. But right now I'm sitting at about 300 a week. On average, we get about a deal and a half a week we're buying right now. And then what's cool is we try and send to LLCs, limited liability companies, like, because a lot of people won't mail LLCs when the house business mm-hmm. land business. I love melon LLCs because guess what? I have bought more land from LLCs than any private Jack Haas or Mr. And Mrs. Beverly Smith, like whatever, like we, we have the LLCs. They usually own 10 or 12 parcels or, or it's a land guy going out of, out of business where he's, you know, sold his business and bought something else. And when his buyers default, he still sells me land to this day. That's just one LLC. Um, so I kind of went on a long rant with that, but about a half percent. Yeah, no, that that's interesting that you bring up the LLC because, you know, uh, if you do go through some of that, uh, training when it comes to wholesaling houses, I, that, that does come up, uh, uh, quite often is, uh, to, to exclude the LLCs from your, from your lists. Um, oh, I suppose so, it's to yeah. save money or it, I'm guessing that it's because it, it you're not really in an op- an opportunity to probably build report it with the seller. Maybe that's one of the reasons why they exclude that. Maybe that's it. And they're harder to skip trace, um, which there are some guys that, that can skip trace um, LLCs, but usually the LLC is trying to make money with it as well. I mean, I've had a house buying, we've been buying, I've been buying houses since 2007. Um, I do still buy houses. Um, you know, it's got a lot of tax benefits and all that, but I have never once bought a house from an LLC mm-hmm. ever. I don't know why. I mean, 
we, we don't really, we, we, we actually do mail them, uh, but nothing ever comes back. And the ones we do mail are like usually tax delinquent and they've got code violations and things like that. So we see there might be a problem. So we do mail those. Um, but yeah, we've never once bought a bought from an LLC. And the cool thing about buying land from anybody, it's just like so much less emotion. You know, the seller has never laid their head there at night unless they camped on it. You know, they usually inherited it or they've, they've, their husband bought it a hundred years ago. But what's really cool about land, buying land from an LLC, you think there's no emotion with just the individual seller. There's even less emotion with that LLC. It's just a, it's just a black and white number. That's it. Sure. So I'm going to just backtrack just a, just a hair. You know, you talked about your, I'm guessing it's a virtual assistant in the Philippines. How much of that work do you offload to her? You know, you, you mentioned due diligence, but does she reach out to the realtors and these experts on your behalf to, to do oh, some yes. of that work? Or how much, does, how much does she take off your plate? Like, what do you have? I have a team that does everything. Um, Really, here's about what I do in my land business now. I just got off a three and a half week vacation. We went to Florida. We we took like a cross country camper trip. So we pulled our camper across the country and camped along the way and then stayed in our lake house in Florida. So I see like areas. I'm like, oh, we should get in this area. That's where I come in. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, let's get involved in this area. So I don't do any part of the buying or the selling or the due diligence or any of that stuff anymore. I don't do the paperwork because I'm not good at it. Like I I make mistakes. And so now I hire people that help me with these things and they own it. That's their thing. And they do a way better job at it than I do. Um, You show me a business owner that's struggling. I'll show you one without a team. And that's doing it all themselves. They really just bought themselves a job. I didn't want a job. I wanted to see something grow and explode and, and, you know, do what it's doing today. And that's, you know, give us financial and lifetime freedom, basically. Right. So now we're going to jump into like the biggest question, because one of the things that is the most intriguing about what you do is the passive income part of this. So how, how does that work with land? And I know that's pretty broad question, but it's, it's an, it's a big one because I think that's where a lot of us were trying to establish that legacy wealth. Um, how can yeah. land help us with that? I'll never forget, you know, me and my wife, when we decided that we're going to go all in with land, I was flipping it. You know, I was flipping land. I would buy one super cheap and then put it on Craigslist and find a cash buyer and just offload it at a wholesale price. And it was great chunks of cash, like really good chunks of cash. I mean, I I remember one was way more than my army salary (laughs) as an army officer, but you know, we, we started looking at like the, okay, how do we get a monthly payment coming in every month? And when I was in the military, I had to figure out how to replace my, my $6,000 a month salary. So I backward plan that, but we started simple. It's like, okay, let's first take care of the car payment and then let's take care of the house payment. And how many land deals is that? Okay, that's six land deals at an average of this much per month. So we looked at it that way. So we had a goal of, all right, let's do six land deals. How do we get the, the monthly financing to answer your question is we buy it at a massive discount from the seller. Mm-hmm. And I generally try and sell it 
now that my, the paradigm shift happened, I no longer wholesale it and just, you know, dispo it super quick. The paradigm shift happens is like, why don't I sell this for what it's actually worth and offer it for a monthly financing? You know, because Americans, they think, they think in monthly payments, how much can I afford each month? So we sell most of our land for $399 to, to I think $699 a month is where we're at now because we've done a little larger deals. So what we do is we try and get a down payment large enough to cover the purchase price or at least, you know, 20% of it. So if I'm paying, let's just say $10,000 for a piece of land, I want to get anywhere from $2,000 to $10,000 down for this land. And let's just say it's worth 30. And I'm going to hold that financing. If I got a $10,000 down payment and, the, and I'm selling it for 30, I want to hold that financing for $20,000 at, you know, $6.99 a month for however many months. So at the end of the day, I'm trying to get most of my money back for what I've deployed to buy this land from my buyer as quick as possible and set them up on monthly financing. Most of our land deals were profitable in six to six months, you know, that we got our money out of it and mm-hmm. then we can redeploy it for another piece of land. So that's how we do it. Everyone we look at is this is going to add to our monthly passive income chunk every month. Um, so when my, when my land sales specialist sells five properties in one week and they're all $200 a week, you know, we just added a thousand dollars a month to our, our passive income. And I love it. <laughs> and how long do you typically hold that essentially a note then? Most of our, our mass majority of our properties, it's five years. Uh, we've been doing some larger developments. We just bought uh, 27 acres and we subdivided into nine acre parcels. We sold all three of those um, for th- on 30-year contracts or 30-year mortgages, I should say, because there's one thing that banks have figured out, and that's mortgages. They pretty much front load for the first five to seven years. It's interest only. So we pretty much, if we sell you know, a $100,000 parcel on a 30-year note, if they do it for 30 years, if they pay for it for 30 years, we're going to collect about 220-ish. Mm-hmm. So it allows us to collect way more money. So the mass majority of them are five to six years though, but we're sure. toying with 30 years now. So do you, do you use a, any kind of service or anything to manage these and, and ex- collect the payments? Yes, I do. Um, it's a, it's a, a note tracking service. And I think, what is it? Easy. If you go to easynotepayments.com, you can check it out. It's amazing. Um, basically, what it does, and I, I, I'll, I'll actually, JD, I'll give you the exact um, link to go to in case I mess that up <laughs> But uh, for the show notes. But basically, it's really cool. It, it takes the guesswork out of it. When you get to a hundred notes of people paying you monthly, you don't want to be trying to track this stuff. It's all tracked for you. They pull the payment automatically each month. If the if the buyer's late, they charge a late fee. Um, and for a while there, I never charged a late fee for like the first two years. But then we found that we had those people that were late every single month. And now I'm paying a person to help collect that. We did have to start charging those late fees, which kind of hurt me. But now it's like, it's actually kind of, offsetting the, the price of that, but right. it's really cool. And the bookkeeper loves it. <laughs> so is there any kind of uh, requirements, whether it's federal or state that you have to be aware of when you're, when you're doing this type of notes at this type of volume? 
uh, for absolutely now. talk to your CPA about this because this was one of those things I was dealing with this a couple of years ago because I was uh, a little worried. I'd hired a new CPA that knew nothing about real estate. And he's like, oh my God, you're breaking all these rules, RESPA, Dodd-Frank, and this and that. So I hired an attorney and a CPA that that's all they dealt in was real estate. Um, so I'm no expert. Please consult your attorney or your CPA. But since we're not dealing in houses, it's vacant raw land. They're not living there. They're not laying their head there at night. We don't have to worry about RESPA. We don't have to worry about Dodd-Frank. And one thing that my CPA told me was if you buy it, in123land.com or 123land entity LLC, you sell it in that entity. That mm -hmm. way you're not having to create a finance company. So we kept it very, very simple. Uh, we buy it in the same entity and we sell it in the same entity and we just collect payments. Um, so luckily I, I found a great CPA, great bookkeeper and uh, attorney to make sure we were set up right because we made a few mistakes in the beginning with that. Sure. And then when you we we talked about the marketing that you do in buying the land but what do you do when selling the land what type of marketing do you uh, establish regarding uh, getting this sold I love as quickly as possible in the beginning well now that now that we were kind of established in the beginning i just used craigslist hmm. but I was like, okay, let's be omnipresent. Let's be everywhere. When someone thinks about buying land, I want them to think about my company that buys land or vacant land of the free or getland.org. Um, so now we have multiple websites, but I still use Craigslist to this day. Um, I have a guy that posts the ads for me. We use Facebook buy sell groups. Those are amazing. And I'm gonna give a quick tip on the buy sell groups. What's going on right now in the Northeast part of the country and you know, what's happening? It's getting cold. There's snows coming in. Mm -hmm. So if you own land in Florida or land in Colorado where it's super sunny and it's snowing in New Jersey, Wisconsin, Michigan, these people are, are looking for a place they can go and get the heck out of the snow. So we post our land in those areas um, on buy sell groups. There's also Facebook Marketplace. Um, we're on all the major land websites, you know, land.com, land century, land watch. Um, we sometimes use realtors as well and we collect the data. When people contact us, we ask, is it okay if we email you or call you when we have another piece of land? So we're always, always building our list. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So once you have a list, you know, once you have a, a land sell, that that's how you build your land selling machine right there. Mm -hmm. Have you ever uh, targeted, like uh, I'm guessing you run into quite a bit of farmland. Do you ever, try to reach out to those, the farmers that are like next door? No, I don't. Um, I really f stay in my lane, you know, and that's, uh, that's recreational land and, and, and then infill lots, billable lots. Sure. I had this preconceived limiting belief or preconceived notion, whatever you want to call it, that if a farmer's farming the land, if a rancher's ranching the land and, and has cattle on it, that's their livelihood. There's no reason why they need a discounted offer on their land. Now, granted, sure. let's flip the coin over. If you come across 160 acres, it's agriculture and it's not getting farmed and it's not getting ranched, no sheep, no cattle, no horses, send that person an offer. I mean, granted, we do buy agricultural land all the time, but not operational farms and ranches. I, no, I don't that, send those that guys would offers. make sense. Yeah, that would make sense. So 
You know, like I, I promised you, yeah, we'd keep this to about 20, 30 minutes. Um, so I usually try to end with, with uh, if, if there was any question you wished I would have asked you here today. Um, maybe the mistakes I've made. As, let's, I think about the listeners. Because um, after I first, like, probably eight deals where I made a ton of cash because I was flipping the land really quickly, you know, what mistakes I've made. Um, sure. And I, I got a little overconfident, a little cocky. So I would like, I would get a letter back. They accept my offer and I was, okay, the, the, the county says it's worth 30 grand. I'm only paying three grand. It's a no brainer. So I didn't do my due diligence. I didn't check out Google Earth. I didn't figure out if it was a free and clear like title or there's no liens or encumbrances or break in a chain of title. So I just encourage the listeners, you know, lean on a title company, lean on a real estate agent, somebody that's an expert or even a coach. Um, don't make the mistakes that I did because I bought a, a couple parcels of land that were like treasures deeds. So the cloud, the title was clouded for, for nine years. Um, I bought one that had $157,000 IRS tax lien on it. And thank God I did not record the deed in my name um, because that would have came to me. You know, just be careful with things like that. Um, you can kind of get yourself in little binds. And um, luckily, I didn't lose money on any of that land, God willing, thank God. <laughs> um, but I could have very well easily have lost a lot of money. Um, so, but, you know, I hired a coach later on uh, that helped me out with those things. But yeah, mistakes I made. Um, I think that's a, always one way people learn is a wise person learns from other people's mistakes. A smart person learns from their own mistakes. <laughs> right. No. Well, I, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, again, I'm going to point everybody to your website, thelandsharks.com. And uh, I know that you provide coaching regarding how to pull this off and, and do exactly what you're doing. Uh, definitely would highly recommend at least scheduling a call. And uh, outside of that, anywhere else they should reach out to you. Yeah. I mean, if you want to hit, hit me up on Facebook, Brent L. Bowers or Instagram, um, you know, really whatever's easy. I'm also on Skype, Brent L. Bowers. <laughs> so no, you're, you're, you're playing with fire there, my friend. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, I appreciate it, Brent. And uh, again, uh, I hope that we can chat again sometime. I think this is, this is an, a, a definitely a niche that a lot more people should be looking at. Thanks, JD, so much for having me on the REI Mastermind Network. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com slash REI Mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated, along with a like, share, and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time and tell a friend.